This is Jan Cox, talk number 2540, recorded June 19th, 2000. Flat there on tape, I thought I would tell you, I'm sure you'll be able to hear the difference tonight. Everyone who's here is staying up on the stage, and I'm sitting down out in the middle of the audience in a chair talking. You know, as strange, as curious as the few people struggling with this sort of thing, the subset of the general set of humanity, as strange as that is, you know there's something stranger. Maybe several things, but there's one thing stranger. It just periodically strikes me that here I stand in wherever it is, Doraville, Georgia, talking to a small number of people, when there's a sizable number of people all around the world right now, and I know what it is they're looking for. And all I'm talking to is you people. Isn't that neat? And it turns out, I keep forgetting, but a lot of them know that I'm here. Nobody shows up. <laughs> I think starting that web page was the final cure. That they're all just going to stay where they are. And just put more on the web page. Maybe that should give me some hope. That it turns out that people would prefer not to be around me personally. That realization has come and gone to me for years and it's just come back on me. And the thing is, I understand it. I don't take it personally, I understand it. I wrote some stuff, do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. A sage asked a monk, do you find your mind to be in a satisfactory condition? No, replied the novice. It is for that very reason that I seek enlightenment. And the sage seemed to ponder these words, then said to the monk, But is it not the mind that you employ in your search? And the monk nodded his agreement. So tell me, how do you intend to use a thing that you have already determined is in an unsatisfactory condition to take you to a satisfactory condition? And the neophyte muttered, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. Fact is, no one wants to be asked that. It cuts into their endless speculation time. So you people forgot that already. That was a news item from last week. Remember the guy who was addressing an audience and said, do I take it that all you people are here because you're interested in finding your true self? And they went, yes, yes. And he says, all right. And that's what I can talk about. But do you want me to tell you directly what's going on? Or do you want me to just talk about it in such a way that you can go off and engage in endless speculation? Endless speculation, they all hollered. By the way, it's not funny. I don't know why you laugh. How can, how can that which is salty ever produce that which is sweet? Or that which is vacillating ever produce that which is certain? Or that which is fragmented ever produce that which is whole? I guess you get the point. From one view, there are but three types of talk. Talk that conveys information about the physical world. Talk that tells others how you feel. And all other talk being merely to pass the time. Talk for its own sake. You will never get to the bottom of things if you believe that there are any exceptions to this. Such as talk about Oh, getting to the bottom of things. 
Being asleep verbally is wherein your words have no corresponding reality based on your own experiences. And you're not aware of it. Question, what is the difference between a good rock band and a great mystical lecture? A great rock band makes you want to dance. If, by being thoughtful, all men are fools, then two types of fools are not fools. Fools that know that thinking man is a fool, and clear-headed fools doing the boogaloo. Dancing with no thought of dancing is real experience. Dancing that's done partially in the mind is a dream experience, which can become one of the distorted memories that make up the world of sleep. One man who oversees his own private zoo says he pictures the ideal situation thus. The silent wisdom of the elephant combined with the nodder's attitude toward life. No routinely healthy person thinks that their liver or lungs or kidneys are out of control. Such a notion never crosses their mind. And yet a few, the mystics, think so about part of their brain. They think that their mind is out of control and believe that by achieving enlightenment, they will rectify the condition or perhaps it is vice versa. Still the same. Just be still for a moment and consider the entire affair. A man in his mind thinks that his mind is out of his control. If you can always go. And then go. A man in his mind thinks that his mind is out of his control. This is getting dangerously close to something else, but I think I'll leave it. I'll tell you what it's close to. Maybe I'll save it for another night. There is, but all this idea about living in a dream and having distorted views, and I've added all my bit to it. It's a, just a smoke screen. It's not true. But if there were distortions, if there was, were dreams, then there is one big dream. Or I'll put it to you better. There's only one dream. There's only one distortion, one dream, and no one ever talks about it, even mystics. I'll give you until next time. There's really only one, and it's, no one ever talks about it, never. No one ever thinks about it. Well, if, if they were to think about it accidentally, they'd pass out. So, back to the reading. Be still for a moment, Lyle. A man in his mind thinks that his mind is out of his control. Consider that. Now, without a doubt, we all know that such can seem to be so. But just ponder the whole notion and let it, let its inherent, what shall we call it, foolishness, improbability, impossibility perhaps, sneak up on you and give you a good liberating shake back to physical reality. That is pondering, because it's in your mind. You use your mind and you consider the fact that my mind is out of my control. Well, if my mind was under my control, I wouldn't be any longer struggling to achieve anything. 
Because whatever it is you're after, no matter what it was called, you would have it achieved. But no one ever considers the fact that you are pondering this in your mind. If you don't watch it, your mind will look around and go, well, you know, like, where do you want me to do it? In my pocket? In a hole in the wall? A man in his mind thinks that his mind may be out of his control. What standard outside of itself does the mind have by which to make any judgments of itself? A smile is just a smile. A kiss is just a kiss. A mind is just a mind. The fundamental things apply as thoughts go by. Bye. You can stop playing that one again, Sam. For those who have adopted the idea that man is asleep and wish some way to gauge same, here it is. To the degree that you live in your head, to that same degree you're asleep. The body knows nothing of dream worlds. It can be useful at times to adopt this view, that you have two minds, one of which has thoughts, and another which supplies the one with thoughts. One day, one man suddenly thought, if my mind didn't believe that it is in charge, I wouldn't be asleep. And after letting this sink in for a moment, he was further struck. Wait, it's even better than that. I wouldn't be asleep if my mind just didn't believe that it was in charge of itself. Before you become clear-headed, there is available for you Zen, yoga, Sufism, and such. So that you can have something else to think about when you don't want to think about what you usually think about. Same as listening to me. Some have said that enlightenment always secedes philosophy about it. While others have said that there is enlightenment without a prior philosophy. Although no one can explain or describe such a thing. I feel like I flummoxed that one in my writing. Some people believe that without any doubt, enlightenment can only come about after thought, much thought, perhaps several lifetimes if you believe in that, but a lifetime of thought, of reflection on it. While some others have said, contraire, that you can have enlightenment without any prior thought about it. Although no one can say how such a thing could happen. What I want you to do is, if you heard it this time, if you understood the sentence, is consider how could that be? Why would it be that no one can adequately describe it? Even those who say that it's possible. Why couldn't it be described? How it is possible. To achieve enlightenment while never having thought about it. Doesn't give you a headache? That you can surely, your mind, anybody's mind can say, well, that could be true. But then the final part was that I added that no one can describe or explain how that could happen. Even those who say it can happen can't describe it or explain it. And you can't either. But if you push it to the point of realizing why you can't, you're enlightened. Or you're not unenlightened. 
One man says, soon after I became involved in this kind of activity, I stopped thinking in terms of me being asleep, but rather call the condition talking to myself. Then after a surprisingly long period of time, it finally hit me that talking to myself isn't the real problem. Listening to myself is. You do yourselves a favor until I see that more people get that. I'm going to keep repackaging it. I was going to say just in case you think, Jesus, I know I've heard that one before. One man said, what I like about drinking and drugging is that it's like I have willfully stepped into a blinding rainstorm. Whereas in my normal mental state, it's like I wander around in a nebulous fog, a condition not of my choosing. Someone asked him why he thought this observation belonged in a collection of items related to the great struggle for enlightenment, and the guy just walked away. It is possible that a man who tells you what's going on knows what's going on, but what's actually going on can never be exactly what he tells you is going on. Well, for one reason, part of what's now going on is him telling you what's going on. <laughs> tricky. Not mysterious. Just tricky. Well... I can't resist bringing this one up again. This is still related to, I've given you two versions of it. Uh, last time I wrote a little news item that said that there was a novice mechanic who was early on in the job was given advice by a more experienced grease Mikey who told him that whatever the problem is with a car, try your best to make the customer believe that it was his fault. I didn't add this part because I use them when I write them. I try to, or I do keep them stripped to the bare minimum. But if a mechanic, or you remember I gave you one of having to do with a patient and a doctor, but if a mechanic, for instance, can immediately diagnose what's wrong, you pull in and you're saying the car sounds funny, and you listen, and he goes, oh, it's a timing chain. Then they don't care. As long as you got the money and they can immediately diagnose it with a reasonable amount of attention. Maybe they've got to look under the hood and crawl under it. But if it gets past that point, then I'm telling you, anybody should know this. This is the way it should be. This is the way it is sometimes. I'm not saying that this is verbally passed about, but amongst physicians, all the way from such extensively trained professionals down to self-taught automobile mechanics, when it reaches the point that they can't diagnose what's going on, then it is very likely that they will turn on the patient or the driver of the car. And without understanding it, they'll start trying to make him feel like it's their fault that your car's not running or it's your fault that you're sick or have these symptoms. And what they're saying is, I, can't, I don't really know what these symptoms mean. I can't find what's wrong. But now remember the, the distinction a doctor won't fool that on you. If you walk in and you say, you say well, I got this horrible rice, and he looks at it and goes, oh, I know what that is. And he writes your prescription and says, rub it on, it'll be gone a couple of days. Next. He treats you just fine. and pat you on the back. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. It'll be gone. Oh, I know exactly. And he tells you what it is. But if he doesn't know what it is, and you don't have the decency to get up and leave real quickly, or if the mechanic can't find what's wrong, you go, oh, never mind. And you leave. If you keep hanging around and 
you're fussing them, like come up with a diagnosis, they will eventually, usually, start trying to make you feel as though it's your fault. I ask you to consider how that relates to a man believing that he is in a condition that should be changed. That is, that I am deluded, I am distorted, my mind's out of control, and I need to do better. The parts that you believe you can diagnose, you let slide. But what's the rest of it there? One thinks, well, there's certain aspects, there are things that I cannot overcome. I have some probably final, major, salient flaw that I just can't get over. You're a mechanic. Remember this now, a dumbass mechanic. That's worse than a doctor. I can understand a doctor coming across constantly something he can't diagnose. But a mechanic dealing with something that's man-made from beginning to end, human by human design, think how stupid he has to be that he cannot finally diagnose a car or at least tell you, you know, walk over there and have some coffee, give me a few minutes and I'll figure it out. Back to us. A man trying to awaken. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do better? What's my problem? I already wrote about that in an earlier paper I read in Newsline tonight. It amounts to this. How can we believe, how can a person believe that they're going to use something, that is the mind, to cure the mind? You're going to take something about which you're already uncertain. It's composed of uncertainties, fragments, but it's based upon, it's composed of uncertainties. How do we believe, how do men believe, even mystics, that by some sort of hocus-pocus, or some kind of extra systemic three-card money that you're going to shift around all of these ideas, all of these thoughts you have that you already know are uncertain and confused. You know you don't have the one idea. So you got all these other ideas that are not quite ripe, not quite complete. In what way are you going to keep shuffling them around and put them in different orders, and someday that which is incomplete is going to produce that which is complete? That is, if you don't know what's wrong, how do you figure that someday you'll realize what's wrong? Listening to me? That didn't sound very flattering. All right, listening to somebody? There's a sign of being asleep that you think somebody else is not. That's the kind of definition of being asleep that uh, I have it on good authority, secret information that was about the second teacher after Adam gave that one up. It only lasted like two generations of defining for people who thought they were interested in what being asleep is. I went, yes. So as I heard you say it, I, I realized I was, but you're right, I never really tried to describe it. So Adam's grandson, so I'll tell you what it is. Being asleep is believing that somebody else is not. And they went, tell us more. He said, you're not listening. They went, yes, but we finally found you and you know. He says, no, I don't, but I told you I didn't. If you want to know, go find somebody else. If you want the diagnosis, go find somebody else. Nearest church? Temple? Hell, guy on a bar stool. So I don't quite feel right. Is there any chance that you'd know what's wrong with me? Sure, buy me a beer. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. 
He can probably tell you something's wrong with you just by looking at you. I can't resist. I'm going to read it to you again. Even if it is possible. All right. Let's say that it is possible. That someone who tells you what's going on knows what's going on. I'll be sure that sense is clear. I wrote it that way on the basis that if your memory serves you, I continually say that people who say that they know what's going on are people who describe what life is about. They don't know what life's about. Anybody tells you that they know what's going on, they don't know. Anyone who tells you, well, obviously anyone who tells you what's wrong with life, they know even less than nothing. Their ass is not even up to the starting line. They're dealing with some kind of, or they're overcome by some kind of regressive gene. But, so I, I've already tried to establish. You're going to have to take it as my view, since I wrote it. My view is anyone who tells you what's going on, by the way, it's not just my view. Anyone who tells you what's going on, that is sure proof they don't know. Remember, I always tell you that I don't know. I see what's going on, but I don't know what's going on, except when I talk to you. And it's covered right here if you listen. It says that it is possible. Does my theatrical inflection get it? It is possible, I guess, that someone who tells you what's going on actually knows what's going on. But what's going on cannot be exactly precisely what they tell you is going on, even if they know. Because now what's going on is partly involved with them telling you. And they'd have to stop and say, wait a minute. What's going on now is not only what's going on, but you've got to understand me telling you what's going on is now part of what's going on. And most people go, huh? Back to is always inside of one man's head. Don't you realize that's what you're doing when you diagnose what's wrong with you? Why I'm asleep? Why I don't do better? You're telling you what life's about. And yeah, I know that you, you can... If you thought about it this way, I don't know, you could blame it on me, or you could say you're relying on me, or you could say you're relying on the great words of Buddha, or some Sufi mystic, or whoever you've read before, and go, well, Buddha said it right there, or Jesus said it, or Zoroaster said it. And after him, 2,000 teachers after him said it. So that's what I'm relying on. Okay? And that means something to you. You think that means something? For you people in audio land, everyone turned their eyes away like they didn't want to think about it. Try it one more way, just for the moment. Tell yourself at any moment that I am asleep. I am not as conscious. I am not in my proper state. Do you understand that that is part of your proper state at that moment? Ask you again. Do you know what? There's only one big dream. Only one big delusion. There's only one big ignorance. And no one, including mystics, ever think about it. And unless you're lucky and I get killed between now and Wednesday, I'm going to tell you. Or maybe I'll forget it. And then maybe that'll wake you up. You'll think about it all that time until Wednesday. And you keep waiting for me to bring it up. 
Then maybe I get through Wednesday, take off the mic, and someone says, well, I thought you were going to tell us about so-and-so. And I go, oh, damn, I forgot it. Something that important. Would that help? If it was a 12th century Zen story, surely, when I said, damn, I forgot all about it, then all of you would have your enlightenment. Of course, there's another possibility. All of you would think, well, shit, you ain't got it. <laughs> <laughs> you lost it. What's the difference between that and being awake? Headline, cleverness amidst all of this. How opportune. <laughs> While trying to get a grip on all of this, a man tends to be too clever by half. And once he does have it in hand, he is then too clever to try to be clever. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. For you people in audio, I'm thinking. That is, I've read all the papers, now I'm thinking. That's shifting weight. I'm still thinking. You know what I was thinking about? Staying here saying that I was thinking, nothing else. I don't know how anyone could believe that they're interested in such as this unless they think about it just about all the time. And I don't know how anyone can spend their whole life or a large segment of their life thinking about this almost all the time without ever realizing what's going on. If you could think about this all the time, would that not be the same as having everything that you want? Would that not be the same as understanding everything? In case you don't want to answer, the answer would be yes. But once you know about it and have had sufficient experience, whatever that is, what if you then never thought about it again? Would it not be the same thing? What if you quit trying to diagnose yourself? God, I'm full of questions. What if being awake is to understand the folly of diagnosing yourself? Why would anyone try to do anything all the way from just routine self-helpers of trying to increase their vocabulary or lose weight or improve their health? all the way to the religious people, all the way to would-be mystics, believing that there are parts of themselves that are out of control. And if, if it was brought under control, their weight, their speech, uh, their eating habits, their physical condition, their spiritual condition with religious people, whatever that means, their mental condition with true mystics, that there's some aspect to themselves that they can identify without any problem. They can identify where the problem is, what it is. And yet it's a joke. How can the mind diagnose itself? Which even that's dirty for me to put it that way. It should be how can a man diagnose himself? 
But specifically, how can the mind diagnose itself? What does it have as a standard by which to judge anything? In case any of you ever wondered, why are there such things as writing and books? What standard do people have to judge their mind? Again, I repeat, it's really judge themselves. In that sense, religious people are closer to the reality of it than mystics are. Just ordinary, fundamental, six billion religious people, plus or minus. That is, their attitude about what's wrong with them is based on behavior, that which is observable. They don't understand it. It doesn't mean anything. They don't pursue it. But they are actually closer to it than mystics and the few of the religious sort that believe that the, what's, the problem is is not necessarily just behavior, but at least is partly mental. But at any rate, back to the question. Nobody seemed to get, maybe I didn't make it clear enough, I was trying to be too clever. What standard, what outside of the mind does anyone's mind have to use as a standard? How can you diagnose, how can you judge that the operations of your mind are in any way not up to par? How can they be judged in any way? How can they be judged superior, the operations? What would people answer? If I presented that to a group of people who were interested not to listen up to this point, and I said, and they understood it was a challenge, and I said, by what standard, what outside of a man's mind does he have by which to judge the operations of his mind? What would ordinary people answer? Well, I won't bore us with all the things they'd answer, but everything they would answer would be the results of other people's minds. I repeat to you, it's in a sense, it's a very sly move on life's part, but that is at the very heart of the idea of an extra-systemic divine force speaking to man, giving man messages that, you know, the Word of God and the Bible and Koran, etc. And that's what very... That's what most of the planet would re resort to, finally. Most of the six billion, if they understood the question, they would say, well, at least we have, according to what their religion, their culture, wherever they were, they would say, well, we have the word of God. We have the final authority. In which, uh, after all this time, I'm going into that, except for the fact that's just more people's minds. A few people nowadays, probably concerning themselves, humanists, and et cetera, they might go, they might reply, well, you don't need the idea of some divine a standard, what we have are some exceptional men, or we have had some exceptional men on this planet, you know, Freud, Plato, they can pick anybody they want to, and say uh, they have established through scientific investigation, not through the idea of divine revelation from a supreme force, but they, through their own efforts, they have made these great scientific discoveries having to do with human nature, such as Freud. And I assume all you people do know that a man who would take such a stance sees it as being completely opposed to the teachings of the Torah, the Koran. Because they'd say, well, nah, that is just, you know, it's people dreaming. I don't know what happened. It's just mythology taken to be fact. And a humanist, a non-believer, would say, I'm not dealing with this stuff of people that's claiming God talked to them just so they could 
make a living without working to become a priest or a rabbi. I'm talking about Dr. Freud. I'm not going to tell anybody else, but that's kind of indicative to our time. They say this man was not dealing with divine revelation. He wasn't some attempted Jewish or Christian mystic. The man was a scientist. He devoted himself to studying the human psyche and making these great discoveries. And you understand from their view, that is just as far removed from the notion of divine revelation as it can be, because they would, if pushed, uh, they would find a lump, divine revelation, under the idea of just imagination, that people are simply, they're neurotic. They believe God talked to them. I don't care who they were. And they see what Freud did as being absolutely not, it's just another world. And it's the same thing. It's the world of mine. Well, uh, all of you are, in, you're just asking for continued trouble if you don't have a clear view of that by now. The kind of view that you, that is pretty much a constant awareness on your part. Or else the secondary world, the world of mine, will always bamboozle you. And I don't mean just out there. You're not just being bamboozled by religion or by psychoanalysis or anything else. You're being bamboozled by your mind. And if you have faith in Freud, you're being bamboozled by your mind being bamboozled by Freud's mind. Or if you're bamboozled by religion, you're being bamboozled by Abraham. Mind bamboozling your mind, you know, from what? And 3,000 years ago, talk about magic, I shouldn't badmouth these people. Look at the power they have. Dead and gone 3,000 years, and you sit there and read them, and they still bamboozle you. All right, that's, that's just the minimum. The thing is now, I repeat the question. What outside of a man's mind does he have by which to judge the mind? And the answer is nothing. And you've got to be awake to see that. You've got to be enlightened. You've got to have a grip. You have got to be clear-headed. I don't know how many people have ever lived on this planet that clearly saw that. I know many of them talked around the edges, but anyway. You try it yourself, and it's almost impossible. I was going to say, I look at some of your faces thing sitting here at night, and I wonder whether any of you get it. I don't mean that personally, any of you, because I assume most of you, or all of you, get some part of it, or you couldn't put up with this, especially for the last couple of years. So I, I don't mean it. So I'm just speaking sort of generically, and the people may hear this, civilians later on. It's just a kind of challenge. Because I'm telling you, again, I hope that you're a lot smarter than me. It took me most of my life to ever get a glimpse of that. And I'd already had plenty of the big Satori experiences. To one degree, I could have died and felt pretty happy that I knew what was going on. But you can't know what's going on. It's not possible to know what's going on. You have nothing because to, quote, know what's going on. See, that's the trick. You can see what's going on. But nobody knows what's going on. And when you see what's going on, you no longer know what's going on. That is, the only people who know what's going on are the people who don't know what's going on. It's not just silly. It's just a blunt fact. The only people on this planet that knows what's going on, which is 
mostly six billion people. They don't know what's going on. Because if you know what's going on, you don't know what's going on. Or if the words, if, if you know what's going on, you don't see what's going on. You don't realize what's going on. Because when you realize what's going on, you can't know what's going on. Because once you realize what's going on, and it's not just look out there and realize what's going on, because you're part of out there, and your mind's the only thing doing this. And I ask you again, what outside of itself does the mind have to use as a measurement? From one real perspective, that is the cutting point of whether you really catch on to what this is or not. As much as you may enjoy it and the grand experiences those anomalistic states, or maybe just enjoying playing with it in your mind, which I certainly don't discount. I have enjoyed it next to one or two <clears throat> things I won't go into in life. It's been my favorite activity. So I certainly do not downplay it. But to ever grasp this simple fact, to even hear this question, I ask it again. Outside the mind, your mind, what does the mind have? By which to judge itself. Yes, sir, if I was talking, it doesn't matter. If I could get just an illiterate, if he listened to that, he would answer the question. If we found some illiterate off of a fairly or semi-civilized island somewhere, he would still refer to the words of their shamans or uh, the... The message is left by the frog gods or the tree gods before there was a, that kind of thing. And if we got into more civilized, educated, sophisticated areas, their minds would still reply too. And I said, what outside the mind does the mind have by which to judge itself in any way? The more sophisticated and educated the people were, when they understood that I meant it as a challenge, they would get flustered. They would probably get flabbergasted. And say, are you serious? Are you ask, you're actually asking as though you don't realize? I mean, is this a trick? And if I said, no, I'm asking you directly. They just, I don't know what they'd make of it. They're just crazy. They're so dumb that it was beyond belief. Because to them, the whole civilized world. I mean, they would point to the nearest book. There's a book laying somewhere. They might ask me, have you ever heard of college? Have you ever heard of any school? And I could ask them one more time. I'd say, all right, I understand. Harvard, the dictionary, the Britannica. I understand, but let me ask you again. What does the mind have outside of itself by which to judge, to measure itself in any manner? And the mind is almost impossible. And it's as clear once you see it. It's as clear... I know it sounds trite. This is clear as just looking down and seeing your foot. Except you've got to be able to look down and see your foot without thinking, I'm looking at my foot. The mind has nothing outside of itself by which to judge itself. Speaking rhetorically, I can say I'm, I don't know why, because surely, surely somebody thousands of years ago, one of Adam's close grandchildren, Metaphorically speaking, somebody surely saw it in that same light. So that should have been the beginning and the end of all mystical systems, was that one question. 
I only have to have a couple of questions. You could say, well, are you satisfied with the way your mind works? You just have to put them through a few questions. And finally you get to the people that not really, quote, want to get somewhere with us. You get to the bottom of it. And you can say, all right, uh, here it is. We've run the rest of them off and we've got you a few people here. Uh, I have been through it and I know what it is. And I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to put it in the form of a question. This is everything I have to tell you. I spent my life doing this, said Adam's one of his grand, 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 grandchildren. He told these few people, he said, listen, here it is. Ask yourself this question. Outside of your mind, what does your mind have by which, in any manner, in any way whatsoever, to judge its operations? What it's doing. It's not a trick question. That's all I have to tell you. He should have told them. As I said, this rhetorical, I know why it wouldn't work, because nothing works. And that's far too simple. It's far too blunt. And so then they end up with all of these. It's understandable. Because it wouldn't have done me any good if somebody told me that initially. But that is it. The rest of it is just killing time. You're just reading magazines in the doctor's office. And he's not ever going to see you. Well, if he does, he can't diagnose what's wrong with you. You got to do that out there in the waiting room. If you go in there, all he's going to do is pick on you, that is. Until you see it yourself, all you do is continue to pick on yourself like, damn it, I got to do better. Here, I'm asleep again. How do you know you're asleep? See, nobody wants to deal with that. They go, well, my, the guru I studied with pointed out I was asleep. Or I read the description that you know, some yogi 3,000 years ago described it. And I read it, and I thought, yeah, that's me. And he said, well, that's known as being asleep. So, you know, I know what it is. And I can say, well... We all may get tired of it. Let me ask you this question, sir or madam. What does the mind have outside the mind by which to judge itself in any way whatsoever? And again, if you didn't watch it, the people say, well, wait a minute. They'd reach in their pocket or go to their shelf and they'd pull out the book that they're quoting. Go right here. They're holding it. It's a great thing because, see, it's away from their mind. It's a physical object. This is the words, great yogi so-and-so, great master sage so-and-so said right here. They're written down. His best-known student wrote them down right here. It is so alluring. Well, it's just the way things are. You know, the more I talk about it, not only am I astounded that anybody ever gets this, I get so astounded sometimes when I'm talking about you people, I think... Well, God, I'm not only astounded at some people in the past, at anybody. I'm astounded if one other person ever realized this. And by sometimes we sing and think, no, nah, that's, that's nothing. What's really astounding is that I did. And I keep on talking to you people, and then it gets worse, though. I go, but wait a minute. What did I have to judge me being astounded? How can I say, I was, why am I astounded? I got no way to tell that that's astonishing. Well, yeah, I do, but I can't tell you what it is. It's... If you find that question, the thing is, if you don't find the way out, uh, if you really took it to heart, so to speak, you would sit around and drive yourself crazy just to use common terminology. 
you would just screw your mind up and be like a screw turning on itself. Be like a... What are those donuts? Twisters, what do they call them? Be like it turns on itself and it just twists tighter and tighter into a knot. Which, I know that many people have done. I've had people even tell me in the past that listening to me and trying to do this, or at least listening to me, they go, well, it just seems like I just get run tighter and tighter and I just feel like I'm going crazy with it. I know. And it's also sort of surprising that that doesn't give a bigger hint. Of course, that's easy to say once you get past it. It wasn't easy to say when you're in the midst of it. Because you think, well, I'm missing something. But I just keep going round and round, and I don't seem to get anywhere. All right? Listen, you're obviously of as much intelligence as me. You've listened to somebody who you assume knows something about it. And I got no agenda that I'm trying to sell to you. I'm not hiding anything. And I keep telling you. And you say, yeah, yeah. But I just go around and my head it just gets confusing and it's just back and forth, back and forth. Hint, hint. Because you know how it goes if you're all the time. Somebody can do that to you and you go, Psst, hell, you don't give me that shit. I want an answer. <laughs> I gave you the answer, that question. That's the answer. Well, the real mind breaker is it. Now, even if you can get anywhere with it verbally, just thinking about it, the point is, if you understand, no matter what you say about your mental condition, whatever you call it, I'm just getting to the point of it, that operation of the brain that we call the mind, you can call it consciousness and all that other. But no matter what it is that you're thinking about yourself, or no matter what it is you think that I'm saying, and I say, well, the mind's so-and-so, and you do this and that, and you go, yeah, you know, I've, I've observed that, that sounds right. I don't exclude me from this. I ask you again. Ask yourself. You can be listening to me or reading the words of Buddha or Jesus or whoever. And you're being triggered to have what seems to be enlightened thoughts. Perhaps on the verge of a major breakthrough. Ask yourself. Just sit there the moment you're doing it. And consider my question. What does the, your mind, what does your mind have outside of itself? It really should be, what does the mind? I assume you people can deal with that. What, outside of itself, what does the mind have by which to judge anything about itself? To make any comment, like, well, yes, I shouldn't be thinking like this. Based on what? If you, if you think there's any answer to that, you are asleep. You don't get it. There is no answer to that. God, that'll give you a headache for a long time. Or it did me. By the way, figuratively speaking, I'm not trying to encourage migraines. For a while, I wonder if that's what dogs are doing. I always wondered why dogs would get up just for no reason and turn around a couple of times and lay back down right where they were. And for a while, I thought, it made me curious. I began to look at dogs around me even more closely in the face, I thought, wait a minute. That's some way they're trying to expel that kind of energy. In fact, I tried it for a while. Rather than just sit there and get confused, I'd get up and just turn around several times. 
I always felt like, well, I'm not saying it didn't have any real benefit at all, but I felt like it didn't seem to work the way I was hoping, and I thought maybe having a tail was in some way involved. Well, I did. So maybe that's it. Maybe if we had just a hint, if you had that question and you had a tail, the way you could get up and turn around every time that you worked on that question, you got so confused you thought, I'm just going to pass out. Maybe get up, turn around. And of course it's this. Dogs are laying down and I was usually sitting down. So maybe that, so maybe you should be laying on the floor and work on it and then get up and turn around several times and then flop back on the floor, you know, just collapse like the dogs do and just fall down. Maybe that's it. I can tell you this. You may think, well, that couldn't do any good. It'd do as good as thinking about all this. <laughs> yeah, but it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. I shouldn't say that. Because for a long time, I didn't. It was fun, but it was like bittersweet fun. It was fun like, well, this is fun, but somebody's holding out on me. Yeah. There's something I don't get yet. And so I know that even the fun of it, there's a certain tartness. Just keep asking yourself that question. Though. And then Wednesday, I'm going to tell you what I promised. I'm going to tell you the one thing. It's the only real delusion. It's the only real ignorance. It's the only real dream. All these other things are just little echoes of dreams. All the shit that we normally talk about or that mystics have thought about, written about for thousands of years, there's only one. And nobody ever talks about it. i got to be truthful. Every now and then people have tried to talk about it, but they, it's not our kind of people. Not philosophers. Philosophers and some religious people. They've brought up the subject, but not being interested in what we're interested in, it doesn't really count. That's why I say that no one really talks about it. Stay tuned if you have a tuner. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.